welcome to Ray Hurrah. Once again, we convene here uh, at Hollywood's most delicious cinema experience, the Cine Family, right here uh, in the gracious Tennessee district of uh, Fairfax Avenue. Once again, <laughs> hoping for joy from the cinematic uh, experience uh, that we're going to about to venture on in tonight. So let's all embark uh, on celluloid splendor. Tonight's picture is uh, the 2004 comedy classic by Alexander Payne, Sideways. And uh, yeah, I haven't found a place you can watch it for free on the internet, but if you do, you can hit me to it. Uh, we're here at the Senna family, and uh, next month, uh, uh, we're part of the uh, 80s festival they're doing here. I don't mean me personally. I'm quite young, and I don't remember the 80s at all. They're but a blur to me. Something my grandparents speak about when we sit around the iPhone and use the Fire app. A lot of times we'll, lay, we'll play the old-time radio app and have the Fire app on, and I'll have my grandparents tell me, and I'll say, who was Tawny Katane? And uh, they'll counter with, who was John Cryer? Uh, it's, a, it's an exciting game, and... Uh, in any case, uh, yeah, we're here for that. And March 9th, we'll be showing The Times of Harvey Milk, which is a superb documentary uh, about the uh, unbelievable, uh, Lee courageous icon from San Francisco, uh, where I'm from. And he uh, was a city uh, on the board of supervisors and was uh, uh, horribly assassinated. Spoiler alert. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous documentary. And uh, you will weep, and then we're all going to dance at the end of Sylvester. And uh, so I'm hoping you come out for a meaningful experience with that. Uh, and so it's, it's awesome to be back here in the Tennessee district. Every time I drive down the streets of Fairfax, and when I do, I adopt a gangster lean, and I wear a giant big apple hat, and I cop a huge attitude. And, um, yeah, uh, the, what, what my car says is middle-aged man rolling. And... Uh, one deep, and this is how we who bang up and down Fairfax. Uh, occasionally, we'll stop and smell the corned beef, just wafting. Uh, but it's a—it's it, now just guys, as far as I can see, with um, pants that I would never wear, and uh, and uh, sideways hats and whatnot, uh, waiting to buy tennis shoes. And I think, man, my misspent youth of methamphetamine and fucking yeah, thank you. One person's laughing, everyone else, you really took math, Greg? Yeah, fuck you. I wasn't standing in line for tennis shoes, okay? <laughs> How do you know they don't take meth at night after they're done getting their tennis shoes? I don't. I don't have keen insight. All I have is the surface insight into their psyche that I get each day that tells me they're privateering eBay gangsters. And that this generation needs to get some fucking studies done and shit. I don't see anyone reading a fucking e-book while they're in line waiting to buy their tennis shoes and stuff. Um, I'm really turning into the cranky old why aren't the kids reading more guy, which is exactly the purpose of this program. Uh, a lot of you came here hoping it would be about cinema tonight. Really, it's more about um, my mental breakdown. And uh, here's part three. <laughs> At the same time as uh, the Judaica has disappeared chunk by chunklet from the street, uh, there has arisen a, a culinary uh, love fest, the likes of which is rare to be seen other than neighborhoods outside of Los Feliz, and you don't have to wear ironic flats in this neighborhood. Um, and that's, uh, there's a pizza parlor, coffee place, burgers, everything. It's, you're sorted, you're good to go. And there's a couple mattress stores and luggage stores, so you can really, Get it on. Uh, 
in the afternoon. And then there's a, a magazine stand that's been there since time began. I don't remember coming to L.A. in my lifetime that that magazine stand wasn't there. And I, to give you an idea of how long it's been there, when I first stopped there, I bought a Mad magazine. <laughs> and now, when I stop there, I buy, you know, like, golf. I don't even know what the name of a golf magazine. I believe there's one called Golf Digest, because that's how you feel. You know? The Extreme Sport magazine isn't called Extreme Sport Digest. It's called, like, Skadoon! Right? Uh, or something. There's a comma. Golf Digest. I'm just going to sit down and waste some time reading about white people doing a rich thing. We call it a sport because we own all the networks and all of us who play the game interact with each other in a business sense to suppress the poor of the world and build up the military-industrial complex. So I like to relax and read about things like clubs. New places they've built that I can go with my rich friends and our private jets. Gosh, Golf Digest is entertaining to everyone. Why is there ever golf? That's, an, that's not an existential question. That's a, I'm cutting to the heart of the matter. I believe if golf was eliminated from everything, one, there's too many golf courses. Two, there's uh, golf on TV. Clogging up the airwaves. There could be demo derby, roller derby. There's so many other derbies that could be going instead of golf. Uh... He's about uh, 20 yards out. Looks like he's going to use a 7-iron for this. Of course, last week in Louisiana, he won three-quarters of a million dollars. The racial profiling at this club has held sound for the last 62 years. No one gets to wear the lime green jacket from this unless they're from the right side of the tracks. There's his swing. Oh, he chipped it off into the crowd. Oh, looks like a small child took it in the head there. Well, he's going to be one lucky kid because he gets a two-night stay here. <laughs> and a child set of golf clubs. Tonight's movie features golf. And... Uh, I want you to know that I haven't just drifted off into a world of my own making. There is, of course, rhyme and reason to everything I do. There's no place I go that there isn't a larger purpose. And the larger purpose tonight is, of course, uh, to hip you uh, to this hilarious movie. And the through line of white guys playing golf uh, as, a, as a collegial activity. I know it's foreign to a lot of you because a lot of you are cool. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, uh, in the regular world where people live, and if you go to LAX or downtown or Century City, you can see these people. Um, go to your agent's office. There's a bunch of them there. Uh, they'll play golf of a weekend and uh, talk about shit, you know, and uh, ride around in a cart and wear a hat. And it's considered not only normal, it's considered the apex of what white people can do in this world because it means that you've got shit ton time to fucking burn. Uh, right? You're not at home scrubbing. You don't have to do any. There's no huge scrubbing is gone from golf. Um, and uh, I think that's what makes it so hilarious that um, uh, 
these guys decide to join and play golf together in this picture tonight. Um, you're Thomas Hayden Church and you're uh, Paul Giamatti. And uh, it, the ostensible um, premise of the movie is they're going to, what is it? Play some golf, drink some wine, have some good meals. And the funniest thing about that, of course, is, and uh, by the way, that part's going to be edited out. Never, ever preface something you're about to say that's supposed to be humorous with the funniest thing about that is. Yeah, I just broke the uncle at the dinner party rule pretty hard there. I heard a joke the other day. It seems there was these two Irishmen and they walked out of a bar. It could happen. Ha, 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 Is that uh, anytime anyone says, let's play some golf and drink some wine and have some good meals, it's going to be the worst time of your life. I just want you to know that now. There's three things you should know about the world as you wend your way through it. If you go to an event and someone says, you're going to like us, we're a fun group, go, run, don't, stay. <laughs> No one who's a fun group tells you they're a fun group. They're simply fucking fun the minute you happen. Uh, if they say we're a fun group, that means that there might be like a human ritual sacrifice by the end of the night. You know, kind of a white people wicker man thing or whatever. They decide someone's got too much sin in them or whatever. And then they fucking like it busts loose and everybody, yeah, blame. And then it's a Shirley Jackson short story and we, someone's John Lotz. And that's what happens when white people drink. So I love the idea that um, that's a way to relax because um, it's a recipe for disaster. And uh, as uh, uh, beautifully explored in this picture, um, your basest instincts take over whenever anyone says we're going to have some beers. And now I remember going to Disneyland as a teenager and uh, we didn't live here in Los Angeles. I grew up in civilization. It's above Oxnard. And <laughs> thank you. That was for the three people from San Francisco. Everyone else is like, yeah, whatever. Look, I'm secretly from Iowa, but no one fucking knows it, all right? Uh, we know it. Uh, well, I grew up in San Francisco, or the San Carlos, to be precise, the whitest place on earth, home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. And <laughs> where One Direction is found in the hip-hop section, yes, it's very white, where the explorer Portola stopped for nachos on his way to discovering Fremont. Now... Uh, we would come down here, and uh, I came down with a mate, and we uh, drove down in his Volkswagen Rabbit and uh, listened to cassettes the whole way. And when we got here, we, I had a, a box of acid, and we took acid and went to Disneyland. And uh, this is the late 70s, so it was Space Mountain. I don't think Star Tours was – was Star Tours open yet? No. No. Thank you. That answer was – Synapse bending fast. I want you to know no sci-fi writer could describe the minute amount of time between me asking that question and that answer came like a movie called Laser Blast with Roddy McDowell. That answer came instantaneously. In fact, it almost anticipated me asking and that was what was freaky for a lot of us. I'm just speaking for the general platoon here. I think Rogowski and Washington were off on their own. They, uh, but the rest of the platoon felt that way. That it was not just uncanny, but a little weird. But in a good, positive movie way. Because, of course, Star Wars was a, a series of movies. And uh, they made a ride out of it. Uh, and the best part of the ride of Star Tours, of course, Pee-wee. But it's the waiting in the queue. You're in this interminable Disney queue, right? One of those, like, it's, it's the... If Dante had had, like, animation, he would have 
You know what I mean? To describe like the eighth circle or whatever. It's a cue in Disneyland, right? That just endlessly bends back on itself. And you keep seeing the same large people from elsewhere. And they keep passing you each time. And that you can't help but notice they're wearing Peter Pan hats and Robin Hood hats and pirate hats. If you're lucky. Uh, I always wear a conical kind of Guinevere hat. I go, I go sword in the stone right off the bat. That was a joke, but thanks. And uh, it just it, it, it feels like you, you've dedicated your life to something. Now you're in a, a literary like morass. There's no getting out of this cul-de-sac of. Uh, and then, of course, eventually you get on the ride and whatnot. And, and, and then, as, then the discussion begins, was it worth it? And you kind of, you have to say, yeah. Uh, I thought the old Pirates of the Caribbean, before it became the movie franchise Pirates of the Caribbean, um, had some salient things to say. For instance, there was an auction of women in the middle of it. That was, yes, in the middle of a kid's ride, there was a bunch of women for sale. And there was pirates sitting in a, the bleachers and they would go, we wants the red head, we wants the red head and there was a big buxom because it's Disney, Jessica Rabbity uh, uh, you know uh, giant cartoony red head right? and then the woman they were selling was somehow not the red head, she was deficient in some way by not being booming enough for animated horn dogs drawings <laughs> and so uh, that part was weird and then later uh uh, the super, super, uh, the pirates chasing the women around on the wedding night and or the you know slave night, and then uh, the fat one chasing the pirate around as the final punchline to that hilarious scene of betrothal in the pirate era, really casting a new light on the 1700s. And then they changed it because finally someone told them in like 2008 that that's not cool anymore. And they changed it to food. They didn't have a food auction. They just excised that part. I can't remember what they stuffed in. And then the, the guy, instead of chase, being chased by the fat girl, was chasing a pork chop that was somehow flying through the air. And that was pretty weird. I thought that actually took it to a new level of like, not only did you not expatiate your crime, you compounded it by confusing me utterly. This is confounding, not explanatory or apologetic in any way. This is simply confounding. Now my eyes are crossed trying to figure out how the fat woman chasing the ugly pirate is commensurate with a pirate chasing a flying pork chop. Still we persist. Uh, and the world opens up to new delights almost every night. Welcome back. Uh, and so the idea that uh, we, we, so we took the acid and um, we got on the, um, they used to have these things that were perilous and they were called buckets or something. And they flew from one end of Disneyland to the other on, on the horrible, you know, like gondola, like you were on a, a terrible uh, ski lift uh, thingy thingy. What do they call it? The Skyway or something? Guy who knew everything before? <laughs> we called them the Sky Buckets, but we were high on acid. So, uh, they went from like, uh, you know, uh, white people land to the land of eternal white people land. And uh, no, well, I have Tomorrowland, tomorrow, from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland. The titles are so good. Fantasyland. And then New Orleans Square. I picked up syphilis and got stabbed in a card game. 
Will you drink to the stars and bars, sir? I will not, sir, for I fought on the Union side during the last great war between the states. You mean the war of northern aggression, do you not, sir? Let us not cross swords as we have before. <laughs> That's what New Orleans Square should be. And then you go outside, have a duel with a dude you just fucked with. You get the picture. Instead, it's a Johnny Depp ride, and then you're dumped into a gift shop. It's fun to wear a pirate hat. I mean, not at my age, but at your age. No, some of you. You have to be young and cute to get away with the pirate hat. Over a certain age, I would stick with cowboy. It's lazy, but you don't get in trouble. Although you might be mistaken for Jillian Barbary or whatever her name is. You might be mistaken for Lisa Renna on a yachting weekend. <laughs> Just rocking a cowboy hat. <laughs> so we took the sky buckets and I lit a cigarette. And of course you can't do that. My friend goes, put that out. I'm like, oh, right. So we get off and there's a, a guard there and he looked like Percy Kilbride from the Ma and Pa Kettle movies. An ascetic gentleman whose neck and wattles were uh, profound, catching wind. You couldn't spread more canvas than he was spreading, you know what I'm saying? Dude had iguana roll. And um, he goes, uh, do you smell it? And we're like, what? And he's like, you know what you did? And I'm like, no. And he produces a younger uh, security guard who's the expert witness on marijuana. And he looked like Woody Allen with pellagra. He literally had a caved-in red head and enormous spectacles and a giant Disneyland security hat. And the, the older guard went, do you smell it? And the kid went, no. And the guard grabbed my hand. I was on acid. And I was like Elvis at Graceland on acid. You know what I mean? Like, this guy loud is strong, man. I really got to... <laughs> I'm seeing like turtles and whatnot. You know, hey... And he took my hand, and my hand uncoiled like a serpent, right? And, you know, like Dune or whatever. And he fucking, I didn't know what he was going to do. Was he going to kiss me and give me a croix de guerre? Was he going to go, enchanté, let me take you to the casbah? Like, it's not often that a 75-year-old man takes my hand while I'm tripping balls. And not in an altogether friendly way, it has to be said. And uh, he sniffed my fingers. And my friend took the cigarettes and went, it was a cigarette, we'll throw them away, okay? That's what he was doing. And the guy goes, that won't be necessary. And then, we'll be watching him. <laughs> well, if there's one place outside of KGB headquarters in Moscow and any toilet in London that you know you're being watched, <laughs> it's Disneyland. Every inch of every ride is on video and always has been in case there's malcontents or ne'er-do-wells who as so brilliantly in the Doug Benson ride get up in the middle of Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> and fuck up the ride for everybody. Because <laughs> every once in a while it'll get so bad that someone does something bad that they'll turn the lights on and stop the ride. And then you actually see the horrible springs and gears that are behind everything and the well-worn, shop-worn fucking tethers and tatty fucking uniforms the pirates are wearing and go like, ah! you know, like. 
So the next ride we go on is Sleeping Beauty Castle, which I don't know if you remember Sleeping Beauty Castle. Not much happens. <laughs> you walk in the castle, and then there's a book. Uh, it's really 50s. It might even be from the opening year. There's dioramas of the different scenes from the movie Sleeping Beauty. The spinning wheel, the fire, and the fire's uh, uh, um, like plasticine cut flamey things with lights on it. Yo, fuck yeah. It's good. And a storybook, a giant storybook and whatnot. And then the prince comes at the end because as you know, only white men can prevent women from harming themselves. And isn't that the moral of Sleeping Beauty? I always, Sleeping Beauty was super on the bubble. All those fairy tales are like, wow. And then they go, no, you need to go through that as a child in order to fucking release suppressed inhibitions 25 years later that destroy your life. Why? Um, the crowd's gone quiet now. Really? People fucking like fairy tales. All right, okay. So I guess that Angelina Jolie movie was pretty fucking good. Maleficent or whatever. You, want, you saw that multiple times. We did a Doug Benson interruption of it here, and the movie stopped of its own accord at one point and apologized to the crowd. <laughs> Should you really laugh at your own? Yeah. Um, 2004, when this picture came out, Kill Bill 2, Vera Drake. Vera Drake was a little ray of sunshine, but a very pertinent movie. Very pertinent movie. And so, sadly, 10 years later, even more pertinent than ever, right? Any movie about an abortionist is always controversial, whereas any movie about guys shooting each other in the face and then blithely riding off and saying something fucked up is normal. That's what I love about movies. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 came out in 2005. Fuck, was I waiting for that? And when if they fucking... And then it came out. Moulad from Senegal. That's, oh, this is Roger Ebert's list, by the way. There's all these different lists, but I, I always go with Roger. He seems to comfort me. The Aviator. Oh, <laughs> uh, Badass. Remember that one? The Mario Peebles film. Uh, Mario Van Peebles. And Hotel Rwanda. And Passion of the Christ. Margaret Cho had the best joke. She goes, I went to see Passion of the Christ. I was like, Jesus, say your safe word. <laughs> that joke is fucking funny. It's Margaret Cho's joke. Don't quote me on it. Don't tweet tomorrow that I said it. It's going to stay in the show because I love Margaret. But it was her joke and it's fucking funny. I say things on these podcasts and then the next day someone goes like, hey, uh, why is there air or whatever, you know, like there's some fucking definite quote from another comic. And I'm like, I cited it on the night, but you thought I said it. And it's like, I don't want that. And anyway, uh, so that'll give you some context for uh, the year. Also, Mean Girls, I think, came out in 2004. Um, and Million Dollar Baby won all the Oscars. Does anyone even remember that now? <laughs> When I read it today, I remember that it happened and I remember watching and I remember seeing the picture and I remember liking the picture. But when I thought about it today, I thought everyone's going to go, really? It's almost uh, Private Ryan-y in its, uh, or, or uh, Shakespeare and Levin-y, is it? Which one won most picture that year? Was it Private Ryan? Shakespeare. Shakespeare won, right? Wasn't that the big upset? Yeah. 
that somehow they paid more money to buy more old men off that would vote for that picture or whatever, however the academy works. I'm, I'm always vague on the rules. They used to read them at the beginning when I was little. They would read the rules at the beginning. I'm not kidding. A guy from Price Waterhouse would come out and go, in the event of a tie, a thing will be in, and people would be like, what the fuck is this? And so they buried it later on. And then one year, Charlton Heston had to substitute host out of nowhere. And they pressed him into service. Someone's car broke down, a Johnny Carson or something. I can't remember what year it was. It was 70s, obviously. <clears throat> Heston was wearing this awesome tux. And he comes out and he's like, well, they've asked me to host the show. <laughs> Haven't the slightest idea of what I'm doing. It was fantastic. No one thought it was bad. You know what I mean? People were like, go on. This is, this is random. This is 70s random. That's the thing they always miss about the Oscar program. It's not so much that it's about anything. And you're not going to tackle... You can tackle movie serious issues. You can't tackle real, real issues. Because if it was a real issue, it wouldn't be a movie. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, but, but you can... Um, he lost the thread there for a second. But when he got it back, people were dazzled. And it was as if a dragon's tail had been set on fire. You can, I think, what they're grasping for at all times, as I was grasping just now, was uh, uh, to get that 70s feel. Because the 70s really did, year by year, have a, a shit storm, shit show, in each episode of the Academy Awards. One year, a streaker came out while Elizabeth Taylor and David Niven were there. And they both went... And watch this guy's, like, dick run across the stage. And Elizabeth Taylor went, I think I'm jealous. <laughs> and David Niven went, oh, how nice of him to come out here and show us his shortcomings. <laughs> and then there was the year with Patty Chayefsky and uh, um, Vanessa Redgrave where they each shouted uh, about politics and it made the Oscars awesome beyond measure. That's what they wish would happen. They want a kind of a, you know, that. And that, you can't have it unless you go wild card and bring Charlton Heston out in the middle of the show to host the fucking thing. I don't know who you, who's commensurate with Charlton Heston now. There isn't someone. There isn't a piece of granite that is on film. Like, difficult, isn't it, to think of an edifice like his? Because he's insurmountable. Like, if Charles Bronson's acting was a punch being thrown, Charlton Heston's acting is like a, a monument being carved or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> Are you doing anything? Shut up! <clears throat> he was cruel, to be sure. If they'd made Sideways in the 70s, with Charles Bronson and Charlton Heston <laughs> instead of with Paul Giamatti <clears throat> and Thomas Hayden Church I think it would go a little something like this the best gift I could give you as a best man is to get you laid god damn it <laughs> I don't like you you son of a bitch I've written a book If anyone orders Merlot, I'm fucking leaving. 
I give you sideways, ladies and gentlemen. Right, that picture's a cracker. What a well-drawn character study and what a well-observed picture. Um, I know he does a lot of movies about Nebraska and Omaha and whatnot, but this one, because it's in California, really rang my bell. Uh, also, every single person in it gives such a great performance, and nobody got the Oscar. There was some Golden Globes and whatnot. And, uh, but you think, gee whiz, um, the writing is so intelligent and the comedy so underplayed. It's uh, hardly grown-ups, too. Um, you know, right? I mean, uh, the, 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 there's some scenes of inexpressible pain and agony uh, mixed in with uh, a wild humor, which is fantastic. When Sandra O oh beats Thomas Hayden Church to the ground, I feel is one of the great comedy scenes in American movie history. You said you love me, you fuckface, and you too. And he goes, me? <laughs> Our lead character steals money from his mother on her birthday. <laughs> and somehow you're still feeling sorry for him at the end. And that's good writing. That's what that is. And humanity. It's, um, <coughs> it's just a lovely picture about frailty and, uh, and um, dreams. And, you know, uh, also, everyone has a best friend like Thomas Hayden Church. I mean, right? And we all also have a best friend like Paul Giamatti and that's what makes the movie awesome is that <coughs> I think everyone has a friend either or or both like those people uh, you have a friend in your life whose purpose is to be a bag of bitterness and uh, then you have the other friend who you're like you're gonna do meth with who you know like I thought we were going to get pizza you know what I mean <laughs> like, I didn't know we were gonna get in a gunfight Rob Lowe um <laughs> And that's what makes the movie so, uh, I think, accurate in so many ways. Also, the women aren't cardboard stand-up, cut-out, two-dimensional plot devices. Um, the women have emotional needs and are as deep. And, I, you know, I, I don't know who... Oh, um, Kate Blanchett got the Oscar for The Aviator that year. But Virginia Madsen was nominated. And I know it's a comedy or a tragic comedy or whatever the bugger people call them when they're, you know, recapitulating movies for the Lifetime Network or whatever. But the... Uh, I, I thought that scene with um, him at the crib is, is one of the great scenes when they hear them in the other room going at it and she takes him outside and she explains to him what her life is and everything. And he, of course, in his toad-like way goes, you know, whatever. That, that's, that's a really beautiful scene, um, right? I mean, uh, th that's what's surprising about this movie uh, over so many uh, modern comedies and pictures, especially American Hollywood ones, is that it has a, a modicum of uh, depth, restraint, uh, and and beautifully drawn uh, and uh, evocatively etched uh, middle-aged angst. And uh, uh, maybe it's just an acquired taste, but there you are. Uh, do we want to talk about it at all? Because we can fuck off right now, I think. That might be a good idea. Let's do that. Uh, it's been a long night. You've been very patient indeed. Uh, I, I, uh, I hope you come back on March 9th. We're going to be showing the Times of Harvey Milk. And uh, that's an emotional picture. You'll cry. You'll decidedly cry. But then there's gay dancing to Sylvester. And uh, that part's uh, absolutely triumphant. And so if you want to come back and enjoy Tears and Laughter, that'll be a groovy uh, time for us there. And uh, by the way, the whole 80s... Um, 
Jam, you saw the preview that they're putting on here at the Cine Family. Uh, all of those pictures are, uh, those aren't the, the giant hits of the 80s. It's not E.T. you might have noticed and whatnot. Uh, it's the independent jams of the 80s. And it's, it's really well chosen, I think. Uh, really beautifully curated. And uh, we're, we're excited to be part of that in uh, two short weeks' time. In any case, uh, I want to thank you very much for coming out tonight to this show. Uh, you've been the smartest uh, crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Thank you for coming out to the Greg Kids Film Club. We'll see you in March.